I want to start today with a significant question. Here it is. Is there a place in your life where you feel like you're giving up? I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. Is there a place in your life where you, you feel like I'm, I'm giving up? So this question came pretty poignantly to mind about two nights ago. I was watching the evening news and across my screen flashed images from the war-torn Ukraine. It's Christmas Eve and the camera operators had found their way into an underground bunk where a number of families, probably about two dozen of them, were gathered safe from the shelling that continued above ground. There was a Christmas tree in the room. Just kind of picture that. While it was pretty bare, held, held no decorations, it was lit. And the gift underneath the tree was telling. Under the tree were not wrapped packages, but rather the gift of electricity. Just enough electricity for those in the room to, to plug in and recharge their phones and their mobile devices. Those who had charged their phones were engaged in conversations. Uh, us as television viewers were able to catch glimpses of conversations that were going on between the people in the room and their loved ones. At a deeper level, if one looked, were glimpses of another guest in the room. Pain caught up in this hellish nightmare, those on their phones openly just wept at what it meant to celebrate the birth of Jesus, but to do so far from their families. And underneath their tears, still deeper yet, was a spirit in the room. It was not the robust spirit seen in many American homes on Christmas Eve where gifts are open and food is had and families celebrate. No, this spirit was dark. The spirit had a hold on many of the occupants in the room. This spirit was the spirit of defeat, of resignation, of what it means to finally just cry out, enough, I'm tired, I can't take it anymore, I give up. Can you relate? You know, as we enter a new year, I want to spend time in our God Size Living podcast today recognizing Something that's very real for most of us. I'm going to call this a paradox because it is. It's paradoxical that on one hand, new years represent new beginnings. We live in a culture that surrounds us with positivity about all the year that lay ahead and what it might hold in store for us. Diet mongers call out to us, buy our diet. And by this time next year, who knows, you may look like this model who just lost half of their body weight. We listen to business gurus seeking to sell their wares as well. Just think, says one prominent life management coach, if you buy my online masterclass, you too get to achieve your potential. So another way of saying, you want to be rich like me? Just buy my course and I'll show you how. Here's the paradox. That while we're surrounded by messages filled with positivity, there's another spirit at work within us. It's the spirit that says, I've done the diets. Yeah, I lost a few pounds. I gained a back, plus a few. It's the spirit that says, become rich. You know what? All I really want to do is survive this month's bills. It's not a negative spirit. It might sound like such, but no. It's simply a spirit that's grappling with the harsh realities of life. And for many, 
It's a spirit that takes them to a place where after the shelling that life has dished out, causes them to simply say, I feel like I'm giving up. In, in our podcast today, I want to take you to a place in Daniel's life where he's there. Daniel is giving up. He's not suicidal. He's not in a state of depression. But he is making choices. And he's setting himself before God through a posture that calls out, God, would you hold on to me? Please, God. Because I think I'm starting to give up. My hope for us as we return to Daniel chapter 10 is that each of us listening today might embrace the paradox that we might on one hand acknowledge and identify a place in our life where we're there, some place where we really do feel like giving up. But on the other side of the paradox, instead of giving up, my prayer is that we do what Daniel did so many years ago. We do war with resignation, with this dark spirit. Instead of giving up, we place ourselves under a different kind of Christmas tree, a tree more barren than even the one filling the Ukrainian room on that night. It's an ugly tree, a horrible tree. It's a tree of blessing, a tree of hope. Our tree is the cross of Jesus. And my hope today is that wherever you may be experiencing the dark spirit of giving up, you find a little bit of light, a little bit of hope. Let me tell you, one of the things that got me thinking about our topic today is a movie I recently watched titled 13 Lives. It's a Ron Howard production. Some of you remember Ron from his Opie days as a childhood actor in the then popular television series, The Andy Griffith Show. Who knew that Ron would grow up and become not only an accomplished actor, but a great film producer. And I have to tell you, his latest work, 13 Lives, is that it's a great film. It's based on a true life incident that took place in the Chiang Rai province in northern Thailand. Now, I'm going to guess many of you remember this incident. It took place in June and July of 2018. A group of kids representing a junior association football team, along with their coach, made a bad decision to celebrate one of the team members' birthdays by spelunking the Tham Luang Cave. Shortly after entering the cave, monsoon-like rains let loose above ground, creating the perfect storm in which the cave became flooded, blocking the kids' ways out of the cave and trapping them deep within. You remember this after days of rescue attempts and efforts made to pump enough water out of the cave to allow penetration with the hope of removing the trapped boys and their coach. Water could not be displaced quickly enough. While gallons of water were pumped outward, even more poured inward. At one point, the count was 10 thousand rescue workers to the 13 kids trapped inside. One would think that that ratio would mean success for the effort. Unfortunately, when it comes to cave rescues, it's not about the number of rescuers. It's about the technique, the systematic plan. Success depends upon acting quickly and concisely. For the 13 lives in that cave, time was running out. Oxygen supplies were reaching a point where they could no longer sustain life. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend in any way to know what it might feel like to be trapped in a situation where there seems no way out, at least not in the sense that these kids experienced it. But I can tell you this. 
after some 16 days had passed, despite the optimistic pep talks supplied by the coach and some of the rescuers, there comes this moment where the spirit of defeat makes a visit. There comes this moment where each of the 13 lives in that cave begin to give up. Listen, when one of your rescuers dies while attempting to rescue you, as was the case in Thumbling, there's not a voice inside of you that says, hey, cheer up, things are going to get better now. Nope. Inside of every one of us, there's a voice that questions and doubts. While we may or may not speak it out loud, we find ourselves saying, yeah, I'm there. I'm giving up. So can I ask you again, is there a place in your life where you feel like you are giving up. As a long-time pastor, I have to tell you, I've witnessed this spirit at work many, many times. I'll never forget an incident that occurred at the first church I served in Wisconsin. Our church was located in a tiny bedroom community just outside of Milwaukee. The town seemed idyllic, like it had been carved out of a Norman Rockwell painting. But not on this day. News came that one of the teens who was part of our church had gone missing. And at first, while you, you certainly respond to the immediate emergency, there's a part of you that keeps saying, don't, don't worry, she'll show up. She's, she's probably with a friend somewhere. She'll, she'll come back home. But she didn't. The congregation formed prayer teams that surrounded the family. I mean, we literally sat and prayed our way through that first night, and then a second, and then a third. And unfortunately, our team did not come home. There were rescue searches made. The whole community pitched in. Still, no sign of the team. What I remember most is that gut-wrenching feeling inside that comes when you begin to realize, well, what if? What if she doesn't come back? That moment when, and I'm being transparent here, I began to give up. By the way, for the sake of closure, her body eventually was discovered several weeks later. Let me tell you this. If I'm talking to you right now, if there's some place in your life where you've reached that point where you want to give up, you're, you're not alone. No. One of, the, one of the things that makes the Bible such a relevant book, such a real book, is the fact that its heroes are real people. Daniel was there. He reached the point. He was ready to give up. I'm going to give you two dates, and I'm going to draw a line between the two that help make sense of them. The dates are 538 B.C., 538 and 536 B.C. There's a two-year gap between the two. So what do the dates represent? The year 538 represents a year of celebration for Daniel and the people of Israel. After 70 years of living in exile under the thumb of Babylon, God has brought relief in the form of Persia. The year 538 is the year that Cyrus, the Persian king, has proclaimed the release of Israel from slavery. It's the year that Israel is to begin a return to Jerusalem where they'll start rebuilding its demolished walls and in particular its temple. So what's the year 536? The year 536, two years following Cyrus's decree, is the year we discover a hard truth. It's been two years since Cyrus proclaimed freedom. Go home. But nothing's yet occurred. Israel has not begun its rebuilding project. The gates and the walls of the city of Jerusalem, as well as the stones that once formed the temple, still lay on the ground. And Daniel's response? 
Daniel begins to give up. I think about it this way. Science informs us that if you were to trap a wild lion or lioness and place him or her into a cage for years, the lion or the lioness would become so accustomed to the cage that in fact you could open the door of the cage and the lion would remain in it. The lion is laid down. It's lost its fight. It's forgotten that it's a lion. This is Israel. Israel's laid down. It's lost its fight. It's forgotten its place and its calling. Old man Daniel, who's prayed his entire lifetime for the release of Israel, has lived to see the edict of Cyrus, only to find himself mourning the stagnancy of his people. And you can see it in the four specific actions that he takes. I'm going to read Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 and following. I want you to listen to the description given of Daniel's activities. And Lord, I just ask that you give us insight as we hear these words. Amen. Quote, here it is. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did I eat meat, nor did wine enter my mouth. I did not use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. End quote. So, let me ask you this. As you hear these words, how would you describe Daniel's posture and presence? Can you feel it? In a place very deep within, he's hurting. His hope's running out. Why is it taking so long? Will, will Israel ever be Israel again? Have people lost their fight? Daniel's giving up in his actions. Show it. Daniel, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? You're mourning. You're crying. Daniel, why won't you eat? Daniel, you, you anoint yourself with, with, with ointment all of the time, but you, you stopped. Why? What, what's wrong with you? I have to tell you, as I read these words, I'm reminded of a number of instances throughout the scriptures where the spirit of giving up rears its heads. God uses Elijah to demolish the false prophets of Baal. He's on top of the world. Then, the very next moment, he falls into a state of despair and he wants to die. He's given up. Shepherd boy David is anointed by Samuel as Israel's next king. There's joy. There's anticipation in the air. And then, the very next moment, his best friend's father Saul is seeking to kill him. David wonders, should I just lay this crown down? He begins to give up. The disciples march into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday amidst cheers and expectations. This is it. They know it. The moment's arrived. Jesus will overturn Rome's power. The very next moment, Jesus is dead. They're hiding in an upper room. They, they've all but thrown the towel in. I'm, t I'm telling you, it might happen gradually, or, or it might be something in your life that seems to come from out of the blue. But when it comes, it takes us to a place where we wonder, can I, should I even try to go on? We ponder, maybe this is it. Maybe this is just over. We find ourselves in that place where we just want to give up. But what if the door to the cage is open? What if instead of giving up, it's time to be a lion again? As I read about this moment in Daniel's life, there's three questions that bubble up inside of me. I'm going to share these with you as an encouragement. The first question is this. I really want you to spend some time this week thinking about this question with some depth. 
The question is, are there places, it might, it might be one, it might be more, where you feel you're ready to give up? I want you to be honest as you evaluate yourself. It might be a relationship that you're ready to give up on. It might be a dream that you've had for a long time. It might be a life goal that you've not been able to achieve. It might be a habit that you've been trying to break or even an addiction. You've not been able to tame it. It might be a book you were going to write, a career change. It could be that weight that you were going to lose or the marathon that you're going to run. I, I just want to invite you to take time and identify what is it in your life that's still in you, but you've come to that place where you hear the voice. It's time to give up. Question number two, is the cage open or closed? You know, I've used this illustration throughout this podcast for a reason. I like it. We were made to be lions. And it is to a lion that we belong. The lion of Judah. The king of lions. Jesus Christ. In his name, Jesus wants us all to live our lives for the gospel. Think about this. Jesus never gave up. Not when people turned against him, not when Peter disowned him, not in that moment in the garden when he sweated blood as he prayed to his father. He never gave up. Though he asked the question, Father, if it's possible, would you take this cup from me? I believe when we look at those places in our lives where we've reached that point where our humanity is tested to its limit and we want to give up, that it's important to look at two things. First, we must ask ourselves the question, is God perhaps releasing me from a calling or a commitment that once made sense, but does not any longer. Sometimes we have to give something up before we can move forward. I'm not talking about quitting or walking away from an active calling of God, but there are some things that he releases us from. If that's the case, then I like to say the cage door is closed and that's okay. Close the door and move forward. But all too often, what I observe is the fact that the cage door is open. What we see is no longer possible. What we want to give up on should not be laid down or walked away from. Why? Because if God put it in you in the first place, he did it for a reason. Here's what I want to invite you to do this week. Seek some discernment. If there's something that you need to close the door on and move on from, then do it. In the name of Jesus, do it. But if you discern that God has placed some passion or desire in you, then it's not time to give up. It's time to walk out of the cage. Our cages are generally constructed of thoughts that are not in alignment with the thinking of God. Our cages are made up of negative self-talk that prevents us from living as lions. I want you to discern this week, what would it mean to take hold again of the calling that God has placed inside of you and to pursue it. Which leads me to the last question, which is really a thought. I'll call this thought number three. Here's the thought. Discover your roar. Our roar as followers of Jesus does not come from a place of our own strength. It comes from the lion. It comes from knowing to whom we belong. We lions belong to the lion who said, through me, all things are possible. Can I ask you this? Do you believe that? Seriously. Do you believe Jesus when he says, through 
me all things are possible. Because if you do, it's time. It's time to roar. It's time to embrace that place in your life that may be hard or may seem impossible now. And in his name, pursue it with all that is in you. As we close today, know this is the beginning of a new year. The world tends to be filled with hype around resolutions, diets, and Peloton bicycles. If you own one, that's awesome. Pedal away. It's kind of fun. But there's more. God has so much more for you. Look inside this week. Where do you want to give up? Perhaps it's the enemy that wants you to lay that part of your life down. As we enter a new year, take hold of that place that God has put inside of you and roar. Well, that's all for today. Thank you as we uh, begin a new year together. I look forward to it. I'm going to ask that you pray pray for me. I'm praying for your family as we enter this new year, that God will uh, bless you also richly. Uh, We'll come back together again next week. And until we do, my prayer for you is that you have a God-sized week.